listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. We want you guys to join us today. Six characteristics of an overcomer or six habits of overcomers. What makes you one? Not just because God called. Listen, if you're a Christian, the Bible calls you more than a conqueror, an overcomer through Christ Jesus. But if you'll look at the body of Christ, you'll notice not everybody is overcoming. Not everybody's living in victory. So it proves to you that not everybody automatically experiences never-ending victory in every area of their life when they become a Christian. Everything we receive by God is received by faith. And that's why I felt like this uh, course that we just released for the school was so vitally important, more important than anything we'd released because it is the element that allows us to receive from God. Anything we receive comes through faith. And so we want to give you these six things today that people who are overcoming on a daily basis, people that are living in total victory, they are doing these six things on a regular basis. It's something you'll see from the word and it's something that you can do and literally it will cause you to overcome in every area of life. So if you haven't done so, take a minute to share the broadcast and uh, you know what we do. Those of you that are helping me, please pop these verses and references in the comments. It helps those that are watching later. And those of you that are listening on the podcast, thanks for joining and downloading. And uh, let's jump. So jump in. Number one, if you could also put the, the um, all six things in there as well, that would, that would be helpful. But number one, the very first thing that overcomers do on a daily basis is that they see the end at the beginning. They see the end at the beginning. It's very important because when you understand what end goal you're shooting for, you already have a vision and a picture of that thing while you're starting that thing. It's also what causes you to not get discouraged uh, in the in the journey of getting to where God's called you to go because you know what you're shooting for, you know what you're looking for, and you won't be satisfied until you see, in reality, the end that you saw in your spirit. Number one, they see the end at the beginning. And the reference that I want to take you to here is the story of the wealthy woman in 2 Kings chapter 4. And the Bible says, and she's the one, by the way, that her and her husband built an apartment on the roof of their home for the prophet Elisha. And uh, because of that seed they sowed, uh, Elisha said, well, what can we do for the woman? And his servant said, well, she's not been able to have children. She's not been able to have any children. She's barren. And so he began to prophesy, by this time next year, you will hold a son in your hands. And so the prophecy came to pass. She gave birth to a son. But when the son was a young boy, he went out into the field and uh, he shouted to his father, my father, my head, and then fell over dead. And uh, literally, this mother did something that is so supernatural that many people today do not do and will not do. She, number one, she took the son back to the place she built for the prophet, laid her son on the prophet's bed, and then she went looking for the prophet. And on her way to look for the man of God, she encountered multiple people who asked her, 
How's it going? How are you doing? You know, and every time she had an interaction with somebody along the way to access the anointing, what was her answer? It is well. Yeah. How is it with you? It is well. How is it with your husband? It is well. How is it with your child? He's dead, by the way. The child yeah. is dead and laying on a bed and decomposing at this point. It is well. That's her answer. It's not, well, you know, keep me in prayer. You she know, didn't because jump my... on Facebook nope. and give all the roundabout details. Nope. There were no, there were no <laughs> you know, vaguely worded or specifically worded <laughs> Facebook posts. There was no, you know, I'm just grieving today. I mean, like, seriously, parents that are watching, think about this. Your child is dead. Dead and gone. Dead and gone. And somebody asks about your situation, and literally, she's saying, it is well everything's with great. my soul. Yeah, everything's great. It is well. <laughs> it is well. And so literally, what, why was she doing that? Why could she do that? She was speaking faith before she ever saw the answer. Yeah. She knew what her promise was from God. She was on her way to access the anointing. How's it going with you? How's it going with you? I am phenomenal. It is well. What about with your son? How's your son doing? It is well with my son. All is well. He's doing great. She had the faith to yeah. say her son's doing great as he's dead, <laughs> literally dead. And she didn't care because you know what she didn't do? She didn't look at the natural realm. She said what she saw. She was able to see the end from the beginning. She didn't, well, the, here's the problem, what, what a lot of people do that, that do not walk in overcoming power is that they will look at the current circumstance and that's what flows out of their mouth nonstop, what's going on now. But I'm not gonna talk about what's going on now because I can see the end from the beginning. I can see the end from the beginning. I know what the promise of God is. And so I'm going to actually confess what the promise of God is over what uh, I'm in right now. Doesn't matter where you are. She was in a place where she should have been grieving. She should have been weeping. She should have been showing her, her grief to anyone she met. How's it with your son? He's dead. I can't believe it. The prophet said I was going to have a son and now he's dead. And I got to. Nope. It is well. You've got to be able to see into the spirit realm. Yeah. And that's important. Most people will not discipline themselves spiritually to see into the spirit realm. And so all they can see is what's going on around them. We talked about that this week about how even though people give Peter a hard time about, you know, his, his, you know, lapses of dedication and loyalty to the Lord throughout his life, he was still the only disciple to ever walk on water. The only one to do that supernatural thing. But notice when he began to sink, when he stopped looking at the eternal and started looking at the natural. Yeah. His eyes were on Jesus, the eternal, but when he took them off and began to look at the circumstances, what happened? He began to sink. Yeah. He was not looking at the end anymore. He was looking at the now. He was walking to Jesus. That was his end destination. But he stopped looking at the end and started looking at the now. Yeah. And the moment he started doing that, he, let, he lost his ability to overcome the storm that he was walking on top of. Notice that. He and Jesus yeah. were walking on top of the storm. Well, being raised in church, that's a story you grow, you know, you grow up hearing and knowing and like, 
I, I've heard that story for 25 years, but then the one time you preached it, and you literally, I, I mean, when you talked about it, and I got that revelation and saw it for myself, every time I think of that story or read that story, it's, I literally, I can envision when Jesus spoke for him and called him out on the water. To me, it's almost like a hard plank, like words went out before him like a cement sidewalk. It just extended to him mm -hmm. and he was able to step out and, and walk on top of Jesus, his words that called him out there to him. Yes. But then, like you said, you know, you're, you brought up in kids church and you, you literally just it's a storm and, and water. You know, you don't look past what the storm is as a child until you grow up and get that revelation of the storm of nat natural things in life somebody saying something, a report that you get, you know, something like that. And then you begin to look through your natural eyes mm -hmm. and it completely takes you off the words that Jesus called you out on, the words that he gave you in this, in this Bible mm -hmm. to, to step out on and come to him. You know, I was thinking when you were just saying, you know, that her faith, you, you know, we have to realize that our faith is not bound by natural time. That's right. It, 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 it's its own thing going on. So we, we box faith in with a natural time, with our natural 60 minutes, with our natural 365 you know, days a year and our, our seven days a week. We box in our faith. Mm -hmm. But you realize that your faith has, is not bound by time and it changes time. That's right. You have to use your faith to pull in something now from the natural realm. Think of it as, you know, you can break through this natural barrier, reach in into the heavenly realm of the kingdom that he has for us and pull in by faith. Like he said, you know, as a parent, I think about this. Would you say that? It is well, my child's dead at home. Right. It is well. Everything was a disaster. She yeah. had every reason to, to be done, to just yeah. like no hope, give up. But she, what she did before her child died by making room in her home for the anointing is, is going to show us at the end of this the result that she had. She built room in her home for the prophet, which was the anointing in her home. Yeah. And she said... This anything I, I will prepare anything for you. You come and stay with me. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna make room for you yeah. to come and be in my home. That's right. And and the result just showed what happened when she made room for the anointing in her in her home. Her faith stayed at an all time high. She wasn't chatty Kathy and going to every different person for prayer who has no zero authority. I mean, be careful who you talk to and ask for for prayer in your That's life right. and tell everyone your business to. They have no right. They, like we spoke on yesterday, they, they can't even pray a cold away. They can't even rope their children in and you're going to them and saying, pray for me, pray for me. It's like, Go to people who have authority mm -hmm. in, the, in, in the word of God to pray for you. Absolutely. Don't tell everybody your business. There's times when we've had things going on in our life or with our kids. And to this day, when they hear us talk about the testimony, they're like, really, that, that happened to you? Because we knew what we were going to stand on and, and what we were making room for. So take your faith and change the current situation and the time that you have. I remember my cousin Jonathan called me one time and, um, you know, when he calls, we talk for a long time and uh, he had talked to me and then, you know, we get joking and laughing on the phone about funny stuff that we think of. And uh, he called me one time 
And uh, I was literally in like the intensive care unit or something with my daughter. She was in the hospital going through an attack from the enemy. We were standing in faith. But uh, I called him and I didn't even think about, you know, talking to him about it. We just talked and laughed and joked for like, you know, an hour. And then I think he called his mom afterwards and, he, and she said, did Teddy tell you that he's in, in the hospital with his daughter, like she's going through it? He's like, I don't think so. He, he said, I don't think that's true. He, I just talked to him. We talked for like an hour or something and he was laughing and joking and he, he never mentioned it at all. I don't, she said, no, no, he's in there, right? So he told me later, he said, that, that, that blew my mind that, you know, uh, you know, we talked for that long time and you were laughing, full of joy, joking around, never once mentioned that you were there in the, you know, I can't really talk right now, brother. I'm, I'm in the hospital with my daughter. If you don't mind, just keep us in your prayer. No, because why? You have the ability to see the end at the beginning. I'm not going to sit there and cry and weep. And no, my daughter's coming through every attack of the enemy. No yeah. weapon formed against her will be allowed to prosper. The anointing is always greater than the attack. The blessings greater than the curse. You can't kill God's people. You can't stop God's people. You have to live like that, talk like that, and behave like that if you're going to be an overcomer in every situation. And, and side note, I will say that there are times where you there could be family members that are close to you. But you know what? Not everyone's qualified to be in the fight that you're in. Yeah. Not everyone's qualified to be standing next to you. And it doesn't mean that they're bad Christian. Or that it, you don't love them. It doesn't mean you don't love them. It doesn't mean anything like that. Mm -hmm. Never let your compassion you know, override your faith. So there were people that were around us that I could tell was affecting them emotionally. And I even said, listen, if this is how it's going to be, you're going to have to go until, you know, we're walking out of this hospital with my healed child. And then, you know, then people went, oh, but you need to call, you need to call this person and you need to call that. No, they've got nothing. I know they've got nothing they're going to say to me that's going to be beneficial. That's right. I will call them when I walk out of this hospital with my healed child. That's exactly and right. And that's exactly what I did. Sometimes it's just going to be a couple people there. You know, it was Ted and I and the anointing oil and... And, and, and that was it. So you got to stand your ground. Don't feel bad and don't let, you know, friendships and family members make you feel bad. When you are in a battle, not everyone is qualified to fight next Very to you. True. Very true. Write this in the comment section because it pertains to this uh, issue. And I'll give you a couple of scriptures for it. Shut the door on your miracle. It's a message my father preached for years. Shut the door on your miracle. And this happens in the story that we're referencing now. And it also happens in the yeah. Gospels. Jesus does it as well. Yeah. I'll show that to you in a moment. But of course, when Elisha came back to the woman's house, he went into the room she built for him where the dead child was laying and he shut the door, closed them in. You've got to close it in. But let me show you even more telling. I want you to put it in the comments. Shut the door on your miracle. Shut the door. One of the things that's important about shutting the door on your miracle is that you're closing yourself and others who believe in with you and you're shutting those who don't believe out. I'm shutting them out because they don't have the answer I need. I want you to look at this with me. Jesus is literally uh, ministering to people and um, Jairus comes to Jesus in Mark chapter 5 and says, would you come and, and pray? My daughter, sick unto death, would you come and pray, pray for her? Yes. And uh, on his way to heal the girl, the woman with the issue of blood touches his garment. 
And so as they're, after they go past that, verse 35 of Mark 5, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one, watch this now, this is so important. This is so important. People don't get this, and that's why many don't get their miracles they're believing for. They've got too many people in their life giving them input that don't have faith for miracles. Stop listening to the input of those who don't have faith for miracles. Still right. love them, still spend time with them later, but they're not qualified to give you input on the miraculous. And notice this, not even all of Jesus' own disciples right. were qualified for this miracle of resurrection. And I'll show it to you from scripture. The Bible says, verse 37, and Jesus allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. Of his 12 disciples, only three were qualified to follow Jesus. And the Bible says, and they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing. And he said, why are you uh, making all this commotion? She's not dead. She's only sleeping. Verse 40, and they laughed at him. But I love this part. He put them all outside. <laughs> they laughed at him and he kicked them out. And he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, that's the three disciples, and went in where the child was. You see that? He shut them out and took the ones who had faith in. Shut the unbelievers out, yeah. brought those who had faith in. Yeah. Why? If you need a miracle, you need those around you who believe in miracles, not those who second guess what God can do or will do. Well, brother, I'd hate to see you get your hopes up. And, you know, no, they laughed at him, he put them all out. And then in with him only went the parents who were believing for a miracle, and the three disciples who had faith for miracles, and Jesus himself. And the Bible says he took, took the girl's hand and said to her, uh, Talitha Kumai, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years old, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and, get, and told them to give her something to eat. And so notice this, if you haven't read it, written it yet, shut the door on your miracle. Elisha did it, and also Jesus did it. Shut the door. Why are we shutting the door? There needs to be a clear separation because there are many who cannot see the end from the beginning. Yeah. Now, we're still talking about number one here. Many can't see the end from the beginning. And so they don't need to be giving input into your situation when they have limited vision. I'm dealing with people who have Un, they're not, they're undisciplined. They have limited vision. So they can't see the end that you're seeing. They can't believe for what you're believing for. Their faith is not there. God bless them. We love them, but they're not welcome in the room in this life or death situation. I need people around me who believe that Jesus is a healer, who are not going to tell me, well, don't get your hopes up just in case it doesn't happen. And just in case the Lord doesn't come through for you, you know, I'd hate to see your heart broken. Thanks for your input. See you later. I need people in the room who believe what the word of God says and will stand and say, we're going to see what God's word says. And so that's number one. You've got to be able to see the end from the beginning. Number two, the second habit of overcomers 
is that they believe what they say, not what they see. They believe what they say, not what they see. And more specifically, they believe what God said and not what they see. And I want my wife to read the scripture. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13 is where we're at. That's the reference for this one. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 13. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. I believe, therefore I speak. I believe, therefore I speak. That's your key. Whatever you believe internally, you've got to speak out of your mouth. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart. So the problem with why some people are not qualified to speak into your situation or to give you input about the future is because that they've not filled themselves with the mighty word of God. And the Bible teaches you will eventually speak out of the abundance of your heart. And so if people are filled with unbelief, guess what they're going to speak? Unbelief. If they're, if they're filled with doubt, they're going to speak doubt. And if they're filled with faith in God's word, that's what's going to come out of their mouth. I need those types of people to uh, be around me when I'm believing for miracles. People, people who are filled with faith so that what they say contradicts what we currently see. Yeah. I don't care what we see right now. I believe what the word says and I say what the word says and I believe what I say and not what I see. Faith says what no one can see. Put that in the comments. Faith says what no one can see. You know how I know that? Faith is the substance of the things hoped for, but it's the evidence of things not yet seen. Not yet seen. That's Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith says what no one can see. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the main reasons I have such a passion for the Miracle Word kids, because I want them to be so filled. So when a situation arises at any age, you know, just like our kids, when, when the smallest thing, because they know what, an, what annoys me and that something simple as a cough, a cold, a bellyache uh, irks my faith. It, it, it's like a a thorn and, you know, pokes me. It, it bothers me so much that um, they are the same way now. And so they know what the word of God says and the confession that we say with them every night. I'm powerful. Yeah. I'm wealthy. I'm wise. Mm -hmm. And so they know, they know this to the point that before Maddie does school or takes a test, she's like, mom, you need to pray with me. And I'll be like, Maddie, if I pray with you, will that make you get an A? And she'll say, yes, 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 it will. You need to pray with me. So it's like, it's so instilled with them that prayer and knowing the word of God is going to give them the outcome that they have in their head that they're believing for. It's going to give them that outcome. And so they're able to say it and then see it come to pass. Absolutely. It says, why? Because the Bible teaches that the things we see were created from things that are unseen. Faith, by its own confession and by its own words, is able to lay hold of things in the unseen realm and pull them into the seen realm. It pulls into the seen realm things that are invisible. I'm, uh, did, I, did I share the story about Dr. Cho? 
this week? I'm not sure if I did. It, it, it's so powerful. I don't, I don't think this week. I think you have but on the school. I'll, I'll quickly go over it because it's, it's so powerful. Dr. David Youngi Cho, pastor of the largest church in the world, Yodo, uh, Yodo Full Gospel Church in Seoul, Korea. Uh, over a million members of the church. He built Prayer Mountain. But when he was early on in ministry, he was very poor. And he was praying to the Lord and asking him to uh, bless him. He said, you know, Lord, I don't have a car, but you know, the least I could get is a bicycle to go do these visitations and all this as a pastor. I have to walk everywhere. I've got no desk to study on. I've got no chair to sit and study your word. So I'm asking you for three things, Lord. I want a bicycle, I want a desk, and I want a chair. And after a while for praying that for uh, quite a while, there was still no bicycle, desk, or chair. And he said, Lord, why? I've been praying. And he said, the Lord said, your problem is like many of my children. You ask me for things, but you're not specific about what you want, so I can't answer it. And he said, so get specific. He said, all right, I will. And he said, at that time, the, uh, the bicycle, um, he said the bicycle was, the best bicycles were made at that time from the United States of America. He said, I want a desk of Philippine mahogany. And he said, I want a chair with wheels on the bottom so I can push myself around the office like a big shot. Those were his three prayers. <laughs> and he said he began to pray that and it got out in the community that that's what he was confessing. And he was saying that I have them because he was saying it by faith. And uh, young men from the village wanted to come and see the city. There's like, we're here in your office. Where's your bicycle? Where's your desk? Where's your chair? And he said, well, they're in my belly. They said, what? He said, yeah, I'm pregnant with them. And they said, what are you talking about? He said, well... He said, uh, where was the first nine months of your life spent? Uh, obviously in my mother's womb. Yeah, could anyone see you? No. Did you really exist? Yes. He said, in the same way, I have the things I'm saying, but you just can't see them yet because they've not been birthed. And shortly after that, a missionary came to that area. He said, doctor, we have a, a crate for you, a shipping crate. It's got things that we want to bless you with. He went down to get it, and there was an American-made bicycle, a desk made out of Philippine mahogany, and a chair with wheels on the bottom that he could roll around like a big shot. And God allowed him by faith to pull those things out of the unseen realm. That's what we're on this week because we're talking about faith. You have to believe what God says and what you say and not what you see. Believe what you say, not what you see in Jesus' name. Yeah. That's how you build strong faith. That's how you walk as an overcomer and don't allow current situations to govern your life. Don't allow that to be your story Amen. because it'll ruin your future if all you speak is what you can see. The people that are building faith futures are those who are speaking what they cannot see, but they know to be true because of God's word. Number three, the third characteristic of an overcomer, Writing the third it, yeah. thing that, uh, that overcomers do commonly is that they make decisions based on the future, not the present. They make their decisions based on the future. They do things others would not do if they were looking at the now. And that's the thing. Faith functions to set up the future. Faith is actually a substance that allows us to create the future, the future that we're believing for. Isn't that interesting? By faith, the worlds were framed. Well, what, what's the point of the world? It was what Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit wanted to be there in the future. So what do they do? By faith, they created it. By faith, they created it. If they would have just spoken what they saw, they say, well, there's a void. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothingness. There's nothingness. They didn't say that. They spoke what they wanted to see. 
let there be light. Well, there was no light. There was no light when he said, let there be light, but he wanted there to be light. So what did he do? He spoke it and created it. Made a decision based on what he wanted to see, not what he was already seeing. And the same thing is true for you. You have to make decisions based upon what you're believing for and not what you're presently living in. And um, my wife and I both turned to Proverbs chapter 11. You know, but it's like, you know, we just bought a house in April and it, it, to make a long story short, it came up supernaturally to us. But I can remember distinctly to this day, you know where it's like people talk about daydreaming or, you know, you can picture yourself somewhere. That's exactly what you have to do with making decisions based on the future, not the present. We were living in a totally different place, not even thinking that last year about buying a home and moving there. But God put this into our heart and into our path. See, it says that the, the righteous, their steps are ordered. He, it, the, whole, the Bible talks about paths everywhere. He has given us a direct path that we're supposed to be on. And when you're on that path, the blessing of the God uh, of the Lord is evident in your life. That's right. And so it, it, and it talks about all the time, not crooked. You know, that's why it irritates me when people talk about the journey of life and how you're going to struggle and you're going to hit some things. Well, it's like, well, not on the path God's created for right. you. He's given you a straight path. A, a narrow and straight path that he has for you with blessings, not to trip you up. There's no rocks that you're going to trip over and, yeah. and skin your knee and fall and eat the ground. There's no, you know, enemies that are going to be popping out and trying to get you. It, it, it just like when you think of these things, when you really think about these verses and, and you can picture what God's created for you, the other stuff just sounds and is, is so ridiculous. Yeah. It's so stupid. And so <laughs> it really is. It's so stupid. Yeah. He, he beats you up to teach you a lesson. No. Never in a million life would I beat my child up and punch her in the face and put her hand on a hot eye and be like, listen, in case you get punched later on in life in a fight, this is what it feels like. Hey, just want to let you know that the, the stove is hot. You want to feel it? That's what a burn feels like. You know, see, it, it sounds ridiculous. Yeah. So, so don't talk about my God that way. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, <laughs> he's given us a path that, and so when we went to buy this house, I could picture us in it. Like I could picture me and, and our kids doing school in one of the rooms. I mean, and now we've spoken into existence and we are doing school in one of the rooms. We purchased this new home in April. But I could, I could clearly get the vision that God placed within my heart. And remember you were playing with Bishop and what did he say? You had to get it in yeah, your... Yeah, I said that we were, there was a place that we, we wanted to buy and there was a place we were looking at. And he said, all, and this, this is our pastor, Bishop Rick Thomas. He said, as soon as you set your heart on it, make it a desire of your heart, it'll be yours. He said, if you just set your heart on it, it'll be yours. God gives you the desires of your heart. Yep. And that's all he said about it. And, and once we put wrapped our heart around it and our faith, we then could see it. Like literally I could see myself in different rooms of the house, our furniture, living there. It's almost like I was looking down at a, at a glass ball like a, a model mm -hmm. and I could look and see our future of our life of our kids us walking around walking in the house laughing living and stuff like that and and now it's literally it's happening. We're, it's happening we're there we're standing now here's what many people don't know when we were living in this neighborhood across there's five uh little developments in the um neighborhood the gated community we live in 
I would walk across, because I would do walks every day outside. I would walk across the main street, and I thought to myself later, like, why didn't I just walk the neighborhood that we lived in, in the house we were renting? But I didn't. I would always leave that neighborhood, walk across the street, and walk the neighborhood that we now live in. Not even knowing that house was there or available or, or for sale. There was no for sale sign in the yard. No. Literally, she had to find, she I found just, it by the Spirit online. Yeah. There was nothing to let us know that that me. house in our neighborhood was for sale. No sign, nothing. And I'm in that neighborhood in the development, walking, praying in tongues every day. I probably pass that house about 12 to 15 times a day, praying in tongues. Why would, why would the Spirit lead me to leave my neighborhood and go to another one that we don't even live in? Why would I go do my walks there? Why wouldn't I just stay where I live, do my walks there? But I wouldn't. I'd leave and go across the street and walk that neighborhood that we now live in. As of, you know, And it brought to my remembrance later, wherever your foot treads, you'll have dominion. And I began to just walk, 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 and pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. Passing what God was about to give me in my future. Passing what God was getting ready to give me in my future. And that's, and that's what ended up taking place. God opened the door. And the place that I'd already spent all those hours praying, 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 God gave to me. God gave, but by, and by prayer and by the leading of the Spirit, we stepped into it. By the, I mean, it blows people's minds because there was even neighbors in the, in the neighborhood that didn't even know Carolyn and didn't know us as a family. And then they, they would come. She met him at a, 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 like a kid's birthday party or something. And they all said, oh, so you're the one. You're the one that got the best positioned house in the neighborhood. You know, God even put us in the best lot. <laughs> of the entire neighborhood. Why? Because God blesses you. You have to be able to make decisions based upon the future and not the present. I actually want to read three verses from Proverbs on this one. Proverbs 11. Is it not? It's not 11. It's Proverbs. Uh, yeah, 11. It is 11. 11, 23 through 25. Listen to this. The desire of the righteous ends only in good. The expectation of the wicked ends in wrath. Verse 24, which is the main point here. One gives freely and grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Verse 25. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. And so the third thing that we're talking about here is this. You've got to make decisions based on the future and not the present. Right. I can remember, thank you, Matt, for sowing a seed. Thanks, Matt. I can remember at the beginning of our marriage, and there was a time where we were dealing with uh, some debts and things like that. And, you know, probably anybody that, that has a logical thinking brain that would advise you would say, well, you know, especially if they're a Christian, they may say, well, continue tithing, you know, and honoring God with your tithe. But... You know, before you start giving charitable offerings and charitable donations, you know, get your debts paid off. Be smart about it. Get your debts paid off and then start giving and being charitable to the church and everything. And we made up in our mind, we're never doing that. Right. We never would do that. And when we had things to pay off and there were debts that we had hanging over our head, not only did we never pause our tithing, we never paused our large sowing. And we sowed every year, even though that we were in times of debt at that time. We sowed more every year. God's allowed us to do that every year since we've been married. More and more and more. We didn't pause our, let alone pause our tithing. We would never pause tithing. And, and we never would pause sowing. And we did not stop our sowing because of the situation that we were in. In fact, because we kept on sowing like we did, we so quickly got out, I think it was less than 18 months 
that we were totally out of all of that debt. And it had nothing to do with the fact that we scrounged and saved and withheld and, you know, and hoarded up so that we could get it, you know, penny by penny and ate white rice and beans. No, we sowed and we tithed and the harvest came in because we made decisions based on the future, not the present. Not the pre- I'm not going to sit here and look at my present and say, well, it's really not a good time to sow. If you go by what people say, well, it's, it's really not the season to sow right now. I mean, look at the responsibilities you have. There will always be a responsibility. So it does sound stupid. Season, so. You know, people say stuff Every like that. Every season is a sowing season. No, but you know, people say that stuff. Oh, no, I know. Well, it's not, you know, this is not a favorable season to sow seed. People need got, to like write out what they say and just or read what it and, and see how read it back it to themselves and be like, man, that... Because there'll be people that try to talk you out of faith actions all the time. Well, it's not really the time for that. You need to be focusing on this or your kids or college funds. Just because it's a saying made on a cute mug, learn to have discernment. And and that's the key. We never (laughs) stopped. We always looked at the future and never looked at the present. And because we did, that's acting by faith. Faith accesses the future, not the present. And what we did was honor God's word over where we were. And honoring God's word over where we were brought us into the overflow, not by scrounging and saving and hoarding, because the Bible says to him that withholds what he knows he should give, it tends to poverty. What does it say for you in the New Living Translation, 24th verse? Uh, Give freely and become more wealthy, be stingy and lose everything. And that's the key. There, There are those who withhold what they know they should give And it tends to poverty. It tends to poverty. I have always made up in my mind, God will always get what's his. And how do I know what's his? Well, first of all, God allows us to be stewards of his resource. So let me say for anybody out there that says, well, you know, tithing, you know, God's is 10% and then the rest, the 90% is yours. No, that's not actually true in the new covenant. If you understand covenant, the way the Bible teaches it, once someone came into covenant with another person, Everything that person had was theirs and everything they had was that person's. So let's just say if two neighbors came into covenant with each other, I could freely come in and anything that was in their refrigerator was mine too. If I needed food, I could just go eat it because covenant meant what's yours is mine and what's mine is yours. If you want to understand true covenant, people say, well, the 10% is God's and the 90% is, no, 100% is God's, 100% because I'm in covenant with him. That means no matter what he tells me he wants, he gets. That's why our giving has to be spirit-led giving. I don't flippantly give to God, ever. I don't flippantly just say, well, I'm going to give him five bucks. I'm going to drop a 20 in the offering plate. No, I don't flippantly just throw him a, a little bone. I say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? What is your instruction to me? Because he knows where he's taking you, you don't know. And so if I want to be blessed when I get where I'm going, he knows what seeds are required to bring me overflow at that next level. Yeah. So I don't sit around and say, well, I think I'll throw a 20 in today. I don't quite feel like giving to it. No. Holy Spirit, speak to me today. Give me instruction. Lead me into all truth. Give me, let me know what I'm to, to sow. So how do you know? People say, well, how do you know what God, what's God's? It's not just the 10%. It is also what he instructs you to sow in an offering above and beyond the 10%. Let me talk to you about how overcomers live. 
People say, well, you know, you know, you just decide in your heart how much you want to give. But see, understand, if the Holy Spirit gives you an instruction, you can't then decide not to do that thing. No, you only have one <laughs> choice. Decide to be obedient. You know, Malachi, <laughs> the book of Malachi says, you know, it, it, people use it all the time for tithing. God didn't say you robbed me in tithing. He said you robbed me in tithing and in offerings, which means you can, how do you, here's the question. How do you rob God of an offering if it's all free will offerings? If it's just you choosing what you want to give him? Because if the Holy Spirit gives you an instruction about what your offering is, right. and you choose to do something else, you just robbed him in an offering. If I just uh, got an instruction from the Lord to sow $1,000 and I sow 500, I just stole $500 from God. That's what Malachi is talking about. You didn't just rob me in tithe, you robbed me in offering. So when Holy Spirit speaks to me, it's governing the, the, the literal uh, success of my future and I'm making decisions based on the future, not on the present. Yeah. And that's what's going to happen. When you obey the Lord's instruction, it causes you to be able to create a future that is prosperous and blessed. And, and this life of faith that we're talking about in these points is, is not going to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. It's going to put you out of your comfort zone. But I mean, it's, it's, it's an exciting feeling to live by faith. Absolutely. And it puts you on a new level all the time. You're never going to max out your faith. You're never going to hit a ceiling and be right. like, well, this is it. I've maxed it out. You can literally grow in faith until the return of the Lord. And That's that right. should be a goal of yours. Set a goal to increase your faith level mm -hmm. each and every day. What, whatever you have to do. If it's something you wouldn't wouldn't normally do, push the limits, yeah. get you out of your comfort zone, get that feeling. Cause there's lots of times where he's saying the Holy Spirit has spoken to you to give something and you brushed it off, but don't get used to brushing that voice yeah. off because you're going to get to a point where you will stop hearing the Holy yeah, you Spirit grow callous to and, his voice. and you will be walking in disobedience. Cause That's it right. says in James, we have to be hearers and doers of the word. Right. If you're only 50% of that instruction, mm -hmm. you're walking in disobedience. That's right. That's exactly right. Number four, the fourth characteristic of an overcomer is that they are ready to fight, ready to fight. People that just lay back and take life as it comes will never be overcomers. You know, if they just take, you know, any attack that comes to your life, anything that, that contradicts your covenant, well, you know how life is, or, you know, that's just how things go. You're not ready to fight. You're not ready to fight for what's yours, what God gave you by covenant. And so those that are uh, overcomers, they're willing to fight. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. That's 1 Timothy 6, 12. How does it say it in the... Um, First Timothy. Uh, fight the good fight for the true faith. Mm -hmm. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, That's which right. you have declared so well before many witnesses. That's it. So Paul's teaching him faith is a fight. Yeah. Faith is a fight. I've got to be able to be in fighting mode in order to please God in faith. Fighting mode. What does that mean? If anything comes to contradict my faith in his word, I will fight that thing until I defeat it. I'll fight it until I defeat it. Proverbs 26, uh, 21. Let me show you this verse of scripture. Proverbs 21 
and verse uh, 16. Listen to this. One who wanders away, uh, wanders from the way of good sense, will rest in the assembly of the dead. So the moment you start disregarding God's word and just believing life or what's happening in life, the Bible says you'll rest in the assembly of the dead. Hmm. You know what that means? You can be a follower of God and still look like a dead person because you have rejected the promises and the covenant of his word. Let me show you another one. Proverbs 24, three chapters over, verse 10. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. The King James says your strength is too small. So it is possible to be a follower of God and have small strength. That's why Paul told the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter six, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You are responsible for your strength in the Lord, mm -hmm. not God, you. Yep. I've got to build strength. I have to be ready to fight the good fight of faith. If I just, if I, if I fail or if I fall or if I find myself in a place where I'm defeated, my strength was too small. And so, you know, the disciples found them that, themselves in that place in Mark chapter 9. Couldn't cast a demon spirit out of a, out of a boy. Jesus had to do it and then tell them to increase their faith and start fasting and praying more. So I'm responsible for my level of strength in the spirit. And if I come to a place where I faint in the day of adversity, my strength is too small. And I need to build my strength. So believers that are overcomers are ready to fight. They're ready to fight the good fight of faith. I don't care what it is that contradicts my covenant. I'm going to fight that thing. I'm going to fight it until literally it's gone and moved out of my life, my body, my mind, my finances, my relationships. It is gone. It is gone. I'll fight it with the word. I'll fight it with the spirit. I'll fight it in prayer. I'll fight it in giving. I'll fight it in fasting until that thing is out of my life forever and never coming back. You want to know how you know your faith is <laughs> too small or not strong enough? Natural things bother you more than spiritual attack. If you're ready to yell at somebody because they cut you off at a red light or someone's irritated you in the natural more and your fight's stronger there, that just goes to show you that you need to get in the word, build up your spirit, man. Because you have to understand when you look in the mirror, you know, you got to look past what you see in the natural and look at your spirit man and see, is, is, this, is this spirit man, is he big and bulky? Have I fed him? Is he weak? Is he look depleted? Is he look scrawny and skinny? You can see that with your supernatural eyes when you look at it. You know, as much as um, I might or might not have road rage, uh, <laughs> Ted said that he never had it until he met it's me. It's called impartation. <laughs> But you know what? I know that I'm the same way when the devil has irritated a situation around me or has irritated me. I know that I am ready to go after it. He's not going to survive when yep. he is around me or around my children. You know, just like parents who are watching, there's no way you're going to let a creeper come up to your kids at a park. There's no way. There's no way you would be all over that person. Even if you're a person who is, you know, very calm and, you know, you, you have that uh, passive uh, personality and everything. There's, everybody has a trigger point. 
Everybody has a trigger point. So you're not going to make sure your trigger point is ready at all times in the spirit realm. Because don't let natural things irritate you more. If you let natural things get to you more and get you out of your patience and get out of your walk of love and and, and different things happen uh, throughout the natural day and you realize that, but but yet you're letting attacks come and you're just letting the, the devil come in your home and put his muddy boots up on your coffee table. You wouldn't let somebody do that in your house. Are you kidding me? You wouldn't let somebody come in and steal from you. You would do something about it you would at least call 911 right i mean <laughs> you would do something about it that's how you have to get with this fight this ready fight of faith do something about it yep. don't let 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 the smallest things irritate you that's right just like they would in the natural mm -hmm. to take it out yeah as things are coming at you you have to just remember that you can't just coast don't coast you've got to stay on your toes like a midget at a urinal. Anyway, go with me to Isaiah chapter 12. He did it. You came to my level, brother Ted. I've stooped down. I've stooped With the down. midget jokes. <laughs> da -dun -dun. Woo. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 12. We're going to give you number five. The, the fifth, the fifth <laughs> characteristic of an overcomer. You thought mine was bad. Yep. No, um, this is the vision they have, babe. Good job. Good job. We've moved on from grinder to midgets at Unirol. Uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 12. Reel it back um, in, people. Get back in the spirit realm. Oh, man. Just trying to have a little fun, folks. Just trying to have a little fun. Um, fun Friday. It's fun Friday, Ted. Please don't say that. The fifth, the fifth thing, <laughs> the fifth thing that overcoming believers always do is that they laugh with purpose. They laugh with purpose. The, the <laughs> We're laughing with purpose right now. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. <laughs> Jill said, I almost woke the baby up. <laughs> Gonna get it in See, there Carolyn, a little bit. Said, yours was worse that time. See, so you got, you're still on. It was not worse. Did you worse. just hear what he said? <laughs> uh, you've got to learn how to employ the joy of the Lord as your strength force to accomplish your purpose and to overcome. And uh, you've heard me teach probably at length on the joy of the Lord. You know that praise brings you into his presence and in his presence is fullness of joy. And Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So we understand that praise brings joy and joy brings strength. Strength is needed if you're going to overcome. We just kind of covered that uh, from the side of faith. Strength is needed if you're going to walk in overcoming power. Yeah. You can't be depressed and an overcomer at the same time. Right. Because depression steals your strength. Right. The Bible calls it a spirit of heaviness. And so you have to understand that by... Uh, being able to walk in joy, then you're walking in overcoming strength and you're living at that next level of power. But here's why it's so important. Because joy is not just your strength. It is the means or the way God created for you to pull blessings out of your salvation. Yeah. 
And look at Isaiah 12, 3. Listen to what the Bible says. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. With joy, <clears throat> you will draw water from the wells of salvation. So I want you to understand that if you don't have joy, then you're missing out on what he has deposited into the wells of your salvation. Understand that within your salvation, there are so many blessings to retrieve. There's healing in your salvation. In fact, the Greek word for salvation is sozo, S-O-Z-O, sozo. And it actually is an encompassing word that's an all around wholeness or wellness. There's healing in your salvation. There's peace in your salvation, joy in your salvation. Thank you, Ted and Ashley for sowing. There mm -hmm. is uh, strength in your salvation. There's prosperity in your salvation. All these things are in the covenant, but it takes the power of joy to draw water from the wells yeah. of your salvation. And if you don't allow yourself to walk in what God called you to walk in, it'll be an almost impossible to overcome. And that's why you see people that are constantly overcoming, if you'll watch them, they walk in joy constantly. They're always upbeat. They're always ready to go by faith and accomplish something else and, and, to, and to be victorious in another area. They're ready to launch another business. They're ready to take another, do another thing for the Lord, go on another trip, missions trip, whatever. Let's go. Let's accomplish it right now. Let's get it done. Let's make it happen. Why, why do they have that feeling? Because joy is like a fuel for your vehicle. Yeah. It pushes you in the direction of your purpose. And when God uh, fills you with his joy, there's like, you know, that's why the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. This is in the, still, still in the book of Isaiah. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. But we look at that verse and we say, they that wait upon the Lord. They, people are sitting around, we're, we're just been here at the altar for 45 minutes waiting on the Lord. He didn't miss the bus. It's, think of it as being a waiter. A waiter comes to wait your table. They that wait upon the Lord. Yes, my name's Ted Lord. I'll be your waiter today. What can I get you? What would you like? Is there anything else I could do for you, Lord? What would you like me to do? What would you like me to get for you? I'm waiting upon him. I'm serving him with gladness. And when I serve him, they that wait upon the Lord, those are the people that will renew their strength. Those will mount up with wings as eagles. Those will run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Those that serve the Lord with gladness. They that wait. So I want you to understand that there is a power in waiting upon the Lord. Yeah. And one of the things God wants with you is praise and fellowship. He wants prayer. He wants praise. He wants fellowship. And when you fellowship with him, you're waiting upon him. When you praise him, you're waiting upon him. When you pray, you're waiting upon him. When you receive his instructions and carry them out, you're waiting upon him. And those are the people that will renew their strength, that will mount up with wings as eagles. You can't wait on him by praising, praying, studying his word and not be in his presence. So as you wait on him, guess what? You're going to be filled with joy. And as you're filled with joy, you're going to overcome. Amen. You'll run and not grow weary. You'll, run, you'll walk and not faint. It's all about waiting on the Lord. That's the key. Waiting upon the Lord. And we do that as often as we can every day. We, we, we fill make a our, point. We make a point to do it. We make a point. We've got to praise. We'll praise in the house. Somebody gave a testimony the other day. I started praising in the parking lot. 
Jennifer wrote in the, the testimony of her and her husband, Chet. I got out of my car under the overhang and I danced. I danced for her testimony. Why? I was praising God for his goodness in someone else's life. Then when I got in here on the broadcast, you know, those of you that are watching, you know, I got up off this chair and danced right here behind this table. Why? <laughs> I praised him again. Why? Because of his goodness. That's a command, by the way. Psalm 150. Praise yeah. him for his mighty acts of greatness. When God does great things, you praise him for it. And when he gets praised, he fills you with joy because his presence shows up. And then you're empowered to do what you're called to do. Even when you don't feel like it, you have to push yourself in that position. Yep. <laughs> you know, it, it's your dad that says, wake up saved but sleepy. Mm -hmm. You don't always feel like it. I don't, I don't feel saved when I wake up. I feel sleepy. Yeah. I mean, you, I'm saved anyway. you push yourself into these things. Sometimes you don't wake up feeling like you want to dance or sing nope. a song or, you know what I mean? Or you're getting a report. But I, I automatically make sure you push yourself into that presence. Yeah. Because people always ask, how do you travel? How do you do what you do? Do you bring a nanny? Do you do this? Or how do you and Ted are always, are always laughing. You're always smiling. But we make a point right. on purpose, even when we don't feel like it, to push ourselves into that joy. That's right. Into, because like you said, it's our strength. We can't do what we're doing without strength. Mm -hmm. We can't run like we run without strength. Mm -hmm. We can't uh, produce what we're producing without the strength That's and right. the joy of the Lord. You know, and we make sure our kids see it. You know, they don't all the time want to feel like it, but there's times where we're coming home or he's on the road and get into a service. And I'm like, Let's go. We're in the kitchen. We're going to dance. We're going to fill this house with joy. You might not feel like it. Shut your iPads off, but we're doing it. And they're always obedient. And before you know it, they're giggling. And it, it, it sets the tone in your home. It sets that atmosphere uh, of joy that you need to have. We have the power to pull anything that the Word of God says into the realm of where we are. And, what, and, and since we have that power, it can change any place that we're at. So when you're somewhere that may not feel so happy or feel like you have strength, bring it with you. Bring it into where you're at. Bring it into the atmosphere that's around you. Because we as Christians have the power to change wherever we are. Mm -hmm. When you walk into a place, people should feel a difference of who you are. Get excited. Oh, here comes, you know, Sam. Oh, here comes Mark. You know, I really, they just, they always make me feel good. I always feel like a peace and a joy when they're around. Make sure you have that on you at all times. And you have the power to, to bring that on you. That's one of my big things I always say for women, you know, and they're struggling with marriages and stuff. You you have the abilities to set the tone in your home. That's Same right. for, for moms with kids and, and how it's going to be. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a choice how it's going to be. Choose joy. Yeah. Choose joy. <laughs> choose joy daily. Yeah. If you do, you'll choose strength daily. Everybody has a chance to choose uh there's always a place and a position in your daily walk where you have like a fork in the road to go this way with a situation or this way. So, you, so if you don't like the atmosphere or you don't like what's happening around you or you don't like what you're doing, choose something else. That's right. Choose something else. Choose the opposite. Absolutely. So you can choose joy and operate in it. It's mm -hmm. not just, it doesn't always just fall upon you. You right. know, you wake up and you're like, I feel this weight of joy. Yeah. And there's glitter coming up in my hair and I just want to dance all morning and get my coffee and be like. <laughs> Will you do that at some point? 
Just dance, dance all morning through the Be house. Be like the sound of music skipping around. That's right. When you want it to feel a certain way. And I can't hit those notes, but. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, choose it. You have to choose it. You're responsible for what's going on. You're responsible for your faith. You're right. responsible for what happens around you. You're responsible yeah. for the miracles in your life. You're responsible for the joy. You are responsible. That's right. And don't push it on somebody else. Don't push it on your preacher. Don't push it on your evangelist. Don't push it on your friends. You are responsible for yeah. what happens in your life. That's right. Number six, the, and the final thing, and I want you to see this, many, many people never access this, but it's so vitally important. It is the power of impartation. Number six, mirror your mentor. I like that. Mirror I your like mentor. I like that a lot, Ted. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> talking about the power of impartation, this is found in 2 Kings 2.14. You know what happened when Elisha was requesting a blessing from Elijah uh, I'll go back and read that to you. That's in verse 9, 2 Kings 2, 9. When they had crossed the Jordan River, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. And Elisha said, Please, let there be a double portion of your spirit upon me. And then he said, You've asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. If you don't see me, it will not be so. Then you look down and see he saw Elisha t Elijah taken up. Elijah dropped his cloak. Elisha picked it up in verse 14. And he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And he, when he had struck the water, the water was parted to one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. And the sons of the prophets said, Surely the spirit of Elijah rests upon Elisha. So you understand that the power that came upon Elisha was directly connected to the power that was on Elijah. And by serving those that God has given you in your life, whether it be your pastor or somebody that your uh, you know, ministry may work for, or whatever it might be, uh, service brings impartation. And Elisha was willing to do what other prophets in training were not willing to do, which was to stick with the vision, stick with the calling and the purpose. And as a result, he got what the others did not get, a full impartation of Elijah's anointing. And notice what he did. Whatever he saw his master do, coming across just maybe who knows how long, an hour before, two hours before, Elijah took off his cloak and struck the Jordan River with it. And when he struck the Jordan River, it parted on both sides and they walked across on dry ground. And then it, when, when it was time for him to go back alone, what did he do? He mirrored his mentor, picked up the cloak just like he saw Elijah do, he struck the water. Now this was the test. Did I really catch the impartation I was believing for? And he struck the water and the Bible says, he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And the same thing that happened for his mentor happened for him and the waters parted and he walked across on dry ground. And that's when the sons of the prophets noticed and said from a far, far off, surely the spirit of Elijah rests upon Elisha. When you submit yourself in humility, meekness, to those that are above you and teaching you, you've got to get in the presence of other overcomers. Yeah. You know, they've proven already statistically that you will become the average of the five people that you hang out with the most. So you're in a bad spot if you're always at the top of your group. <laughs> you don't want to be there. If you're going to keep increasing, there need to be people in your life that are far beyond where you are, where you want to go. 
I want to hang with people that make me better. Even the guys that I, I'll tell you, show you how I do it. Even the guys that travel with me and that play music with me in the band, whether it be Brad Strobel on the drums, John Grimsley on the bass, Tim Adams on the guitar, whoever, Steve Edlin on the organ, whoever plays with us, they're all better than I am at their instrument. Every single one of those guys is better at what they do than I am at what I do. But all of those guys make me better at what I do because their skill level causes me to, to stretch and they pull me up to a higher level than, they, than if I were to play with guys that I was far better than any, any of them were. So understand, surrounding yourself with those who are doing what you are called to do, but at a much greater level, you will pick things up just like Elisha was picking up from Elijah. And as you serve them, that impartation comes and you begin to do. See, that's why Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul was saying, copy my actions. What you see me doing, you do it. Yeah. If I'm doing it, you do it. it because I'm successful, you see, here's my actions. Now you do it and you'll be successful like I am. And so he was teaching them by impartation how to walk in power, mirror your mentor, whatever it is. You know, they don't, if, you, if you're going to be a plumber, they don't apprentice you to an electrician because I'm an electrician's apprentice, but I'm really going to be a plumber. No, because you're not picking up the skills necessary to be successful at plumbing. It'd be a waste of your time. You've got to connect with those that are doing what you're called to do at a greater level and then mirror what they're doing, disciplines, faithfulness, dedication, and God will use you in the same way. Yeah, and like he's saying, mirror your mentor, go after a gift. You know, you want a gift, you have to sit under a gift. So go, go to who you are trying to mirror. I've heard this before. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but go to them and don't follow everybody. No. Get get too someone. Too many voices. Yeah, too many voices, and sit under them. So financially in their life, be connected to them. Absolutely. So so your time and your your energy with them, you know, follow them just like he did. So you get that. You you can't just have anybody and everybody lay hands on you. Be careful who's laying hands on you. I absolutely don't let everybody touch me. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want what you have. There's some people. There's some people I would never <laughs> allow them to lay hands on me ever. Because I believe in impartation. Yeah. So when you get that revelation of mirroring your mentor and impartation, you realize that it becomes a precious thing to you. Absolutely. And and you sit under it and you you will receive it for your obedience of going after it. Obedience is the key. And as I said before, as you're looking into your future, ask the Holy Spirit. He's the He's the one that's building this future. He has a plan for your life. Ask the Holy Spirit. What is it that I can do now that's going to prepare me for what you have planned for my life? In fact, we're going to pray in just a moment. There's many of you, some of you have already sown seeds today. But many of you that are watching, you need to ask yourself in prayer as we pray in a moment, Holy Spirit, what is it that I can do now in just a seed, even financially, that will position me for the great things you have planned for my life in 2020? What is it? What is it that I need to release into your kingdom that's going to bring an overflow back into my life quickly so that I'll see violent increase and expedited favor? What is it, Lord? And God will show you. 
So let's pray. Every person that's watching, pray with me. And unless you're driving a vehicle, bow your head and let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I, I pray you speak to every man and woman that's watching. Lord, we want to see the future that you have planned for us manifested in our lives. We don't want to miss one thing that you have prepared for our lives and our yeah. ministries and our callings. And so today, Lord, we ask you, would you sow a seed, uh, give us an instruction to sow a seed that will cause us to go higher than we've ever been before. Your word declares you give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And so we thank you that, Lord, we have seed in our hand because of you. Now show us what it is that you would have us to release into your kingdom. We'll be obedient because we love you and we're expectant of great things. Yes. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Now do what the Lord tells you to do. Whatever it is that he speaks to you, take a step of faith. Don't let this whole year go by without doing significant things for the Lord financially. Make a point today. I'm going to do something that's significant that moves my faith. It's very easy to sow. Uh, we have multiple ways that you can sow a seed today. If you're on Periscope or Facebook, as uh, Brother Ted Nashley did, uh, you can put hashtag donate in the comments section. I like to do that when I can. You're like, a, you're like my Vanna White. Um, and then if you'd like to you use do. PayPal, the information's is on the on screen. Is it on there? Is it yeah. on there? Where is it at? Right, right where you're at. Look at that. Hold on. Yep, there you are. If you like to use Cash App or uh, Venmo, <laughs> the username is the same, MWGIVE. And then, of course, you can always go to MiracleWord.com and sow a seat on the website. You don't even know where your hand's going now. You can <laughs> it's always, opposite of what I'm doing looking at in the camera. You can always go to MiracleWord.com and sow a seat in that way. And then, of course, for those that are writing checks to Miracle Word Ministries, the uh, mailing address is there at the footer of the website. The camels are coming. <laughs> the P.O. Box 65116. With their satchels on the side, and they'll bring it to us in a couple months. That's in a couple months. The post office isn't that bad. You know, it's funny. I was I was saying the other night, I was like, you know, there's no nobody worse than a postal worker. And the sound man raised says, I'm a postal worker. That happened to both of us this week. So thank God. What he, we he, said from the pulpit. Thank God he didn't go postal. <laughs> what we <laughs> People were in the... We love you, Todd and Janine. Carol, we love you, Deborah. Thank you for those that are sowing, those that have already sown. We so appreciate you. And then, of course, don't forget, uh, for everybody that's sowing 100 or more this month, if you want to claim your offer of this book, God's Chosen Fast, today is the last day of the month. Uh, you can go to miracleword.com forward slash offer, and you can uh, grab your copy of God's Chosen Fast. I do want to say for every person that sows 1,000 or more this month, we're sending you a beautiful new genuine leather leather life application study Bible in the New Living Translation. It is a gorgeous Bible. I think I'm going to get one myself. I like it that much. And uh, they're, they're wonderful, wonderful and beautiful Bibles that we've gotten from Tyndale. I'm going to sign it to you and your family, send it to you just to say we love you and appreciate you. And then don't forget, today is the very last day that you can get the 15% off of the Miracle Word U course, Mountain Moving Faith. If you've not gone over to MiracleWordU.com to check these out, let me tell you, don't miss this deal because uh, it goes back to regular price tomorrow, uh, $69. Grab this course, use the code FAITHLAUNCH at checkout and get 15% off of this. Today's the final day. And then of course we have all four courses bundled at a 28% discount, only $199 for all four. That's 20 hours of teaching and we even let you break it up into four months. If you'd like $50 a month, we want it to be accessible to everybody. 
And so we love you guys so very much. Don't forget, Miracle Word Kids. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, February 1st. Acts. We're starting Acts. It launches. Go to that website you see on the screen to get uh, the packet so you can go along with us each day. Um, also, our Miracle Word Kid products are available now. You don't have to get the Christmas box anymore. You can get our shirts. We've got Miracle Word Kid shirts. We've got our uh, confession that we have on there. I'm powerful. I'm wealthy. I'm wise. I'm mighty. I have honor. I have glory. And I have blessing. You can get that. We also have our safety green, which is unisex shirt. We have strong, smart, and set apart, which is our slogan for Miracle Word Kids, uh, based out of Luke 240, where Jesus, there he grew in wisdom, stature, and strength. So that is our safety green shirt. You can get all that at MiracleWordKids.com. And we also have our uh, Miracle Word Kid journals. Do we have a thing for the journals, Barrett? Nope. Okay. That's so go okay. To shop. But if you go to shop.miracleword.com and there's a or, section. Or if you go to the website. Do they have, they have it Kids. on the kids' website Yeah. Too? You go to shop. It takes That's us cool. right to our shop. See, I don't and even know we also exactly. have Miracle Word Kid journals um, that I recommend getting because we're doing all these scripture writing and it's great. It says strong, smart, set apart on the front. The kids can bring it to church, take notes in it. So, so, and we got other stuff on there. We got slap bracelets. We got a, we got a bunch of fun things for your kids. So make sure, and posters. There's our confession there. We've got Miracle Word Kid posters. Uh, we have them in two different colors and we'll get that shipped right out to you. So head over to MiracleWordKids.com uh, and you can get all of the kids products for your bedrooms and your your clothes and your slap bracelets and your your journals and mm -hmm. just be a part of what God is doing in these lives with these kids. Yeah, and we want to say thanks to everybody that's standing with us as we're going and taking the gospel around the world. This is going to be the greatest year that we've ever seen in Miracle Word Ministries. We're so thankful for those of you that are partnered with us. We yes. love you so much. Appreciate you hanging with us every day, Monday through Friday on Facebook, YouTube, and Periscope. It means a lot to us. And uh, we're praying you have a powerful weekend. Yes. And as we're getting ready to cross over into a new month, God's going to do great things for you in February. He's given us an extra day this year. And, uh, and I believe it's going to be an extra day of increase and blessing for every one of our families. And so I know you'll be blessed in, uh, in the month of February. So we'll talk to you again next week. We love you guys so much. Big thank you to my beautiful and wonderful wife oh, who's yeah. with me these last two days. <laughs> You're wonderful. I'll be with you Not more. Just I just beautiful. don't get invites often. Not just beautiful. I'm just joking. It. <laughs> she gets invited every day. She's just it's a busy true. woman. I'm busy. She I has got a lot going homeschool on. and a lot of things going on. <laughs> yeah. She's also a collector for the mob, so she has to go on those. Well, you know, she's a you bookie. Know. You know, there's a lot of things she's doing now. Um, <laughs> got to keep my fight in my eyes. <laughs> we love you guys. Have a great weekend. Listen, tonight's the final night of Kickstart. 2020 here at Boomerang Church, Albemarle, North Carolina. Get so here. Get here. What else you got going on in Albemarle get on, on Friday night? <laughs> get on Friday. Get on Friday. And then uh, Sunday get morning. Get in the truck. Get, get in the truck. truck. Get in the truck. Get over here. Get in the truck and Why get in the church. Get in the truck. Get, get in the truck. Stacy, get in the truck. Um, Go to church. Listen, get over here on Sunday morning too. 10 30 a.m. We'll be here baptizing people. Uh, I may even get into the water. Put some floaties on, get myself a little bit of a goggle action going on and some water wings. Who knows what's going to happen, uh, but it's going to be a good day. We love you Pastor guys. Pastor Ryan's like, man, I am second yes, guessing yes, I asking him to participate. <laughs> she said, let that be the thumbnail. <laughs> we love you guys. Be blessed. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Love you. Bye.
Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.